I want to talk this morning about the love factor. The love factor. I come this morning to speak on a topic that I think is worthy of our discussion in the few minutes that we have before us. There's this topic of the love factor. I think that it's appropriate given the fact that right now we seem to be on the brink of another disaster. It appears that the warmongers and hate speech givers are talking about a new crisis in the Middle East. It appears that the peninsula upon which the Korea sits seems to be almost perched again to have what would be an impossible to win war without mass casualties. North and South Korea sharing barbs back and forth with each other. It would appear in this world right now that there seems to be a constant conflict whether it is the red jacket protests in France or the Brexit argument in Great Britain. Whether it be protests over monuments down in Virginia or young people losing their sense of dignity and killing their classmates in Colorado. Whether it be a young man who would walk into an elementary school and take out everybody that he could. And then another person would stand up after the tragedy of Newtown and declare that it was a hoax. While the suffering families are yet mourning their losses, grieving their pain, and while survivors are yet dealing with the trauma of post-traumatic stress, even though they've never been to war, they have minds that have might as well have been in Vietnam. Someone would stand and declare they haven't been through anything. We live in a world now where hate rhetoric is sloughed off as just politics. While people act on hate every day. Where people say things and then afterwards say, well, I didn't really mean it like that. Each of us has to look around. I really, I really like Dante Wilder. I, I really like him. He's got a great spirit. And I know that he wants to become a self-promoted heavyweight boxing champion. I know Nobody took him seriously. They didn't take him as a great boxer. And I love him. I really do. I'm telling you uh, God's honest truth. He went too far last time. In his rhetoric, he was talking about how he wanted to beat his opponent so he couldn't get back up. He wanted to take him out so his family, he said, leave your children home because they go out to carry you. I know this is pugilistic combat, and I know you're just trying to promote a fight, but at some point we cross the line with our words. 
He's a great boxer. I pray the Lord blesses him financially. I know he wants to do right. If you watch his spirit, he's got a spirit that somebody that wants to deal with God, but you cannot speak from your lips hate and have your heart hold on to love. I know folks say sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. They missed the point. You may not physically hurt me with your names or your words, but my emotional breaking point may be at a place that you do not know of. And what you say could push me over the edge. Don't push me. Because I'm close to the edge. I'm just trying not to lose my head. It's like a jungle sometimes. It makes me wonder why I keep them going under. <laughs> Life has a way. You know, Dr. King's words come back to speak to us. He says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. I think uh, as popular and poppy as the song was, pop sounding, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. No, not just for one, but for everyone. I, I, I happen to believe that as hokey and simple and simplistic the concept may be, it is the world's greatest need. It's not for more money, for more oil or more coal or for more gold, or more diamonds, or jewelry, or cars, or vehicles. No, this world needs a heavy dose of love. But I have come to challenge you, and for the next three weeks, I will make my challenge clear. I want to suggest to you today that a world that needs love needs Christians that know how to love. If every person who claimed to be born again, blood-washed believer, would just be love, we could change this world overnight. Since I understand you didn't get it that way, by implication and inference from my statement, it must mean that I don't think every Christian is acting in a loving manner, which then says that a whole lot of us that profess to be Christians, that profess to be disciples, that profess to be devotees to the Lord Jesus Christ are an embarrassment to the kingdom. Because if 
Jesus says, by this will you know that you are my disciples. Then if what we are displaying is not what Jesus said, then we must be displaying something that represents someone other than Jesus. People walk around with the WWJD on their arms. What would Jesus do? Probably not what you're doing. Okay. I see I've already frustrated two or three, 10, 24 of y'all. Let me see if I can work this. Here, I want to suggest something. Three things today about this part of the love factor. And I believe they're important. Number one, I believe that love must first be internal. I'm, I'm, I'm boldly proclaiming that some folk don't know how to love anybody else because they haven't learned how to love themselves. And if you can't love you, you can't ever love anybody else right. And the enemy has so attacked our minds and the foundation of our life too much where, where we allow mass media and, and the internet and Twitter and Facebook and Instagram to define our happiness and so we become unhappy because we see people who have bodies that are not real, some of which have plastic on the back and plastic on the front and then slipoed on the side and then after all that still have to doctor up the picture so that they touch it up so they don't show the fact that they actually have human cellulite that came up even though they sucked all the fat out and you, you some of this stuff is unrealistic, but you keep looking at the image and you look at how good that weave is and you look at your hair and you're frustrated and you don't even realize it's not real. You can't find a woman that looks like that. Probably because the Lord didn't make her. You can't be satisfied with the guy that God gave you because you need somebody to look like an Adonis model with ripped muscles and abs everywhere. Well, some of us have more than six pack. And I tell you now, thick love is better than angry love. What happens to us is that we have exported our own reality to the world. 
and then we bring the washed in reality of what others think is beauty, what others think is nice, what other things are the right colors to wear, the right outfit to have on, and now we model our lives around what the world has told us, and when we cannot measure up, we are left unhappy. We are left miserable because we're trying to measure up to TV stars and movie stars and athletes. And if you ask some of them, they're not happy in themselves. They're trying to put on the image of happiness. Sometimes you look at someone and you don't realize what they're going through. The other day, the other day I judged a uh, preaching competition and one of the fine young men who um, delivered one of the sermons, a great friend and a wonderful student of mine, he, he delivered the sermon and uh, he was one of two. We actually split the preaching prize. But he said something that caught my attention. He said someone called him and he was kind of jealous of him and the guy was saying, wow, your life must be perfect. He said, I, your, your life is great. He said, I envy you. And he was looking around like, envy me? What are you talking about? He said, the guy kept going on about how great he knew his life was. And he said, well, well we haven't talked in a long time. So how do you know about my life? He said, well, what you put on Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook, Everything was going great. On Facebook was the best picture of the car. On Facebook was the best picture in the suit on the way to work. On Facebook was the happy family. And then he said, well, that was Facebook. But in my reality, I had already lost my job after 25 years. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. I had lost my wife. And I was trying to figure out what was next for my personal life. I was trying to get direction. But Facebook made it look like everything was perfect. But the reality was he was going through hell. Some of you keep buying that plastic pablum and drinking the milk and the Kool-Aid and getting stuck in unhappiness, not realizing your own life is pretty great. Can I, can I help you right there? I, I don't have time to really finish my whole sermon. So, so let me just see if I can just do this. Y'all got a minute? Hang around with me. Okay. See, you don't know who you are. And because you don't know who you are, some of you, you forget how beautiful you are. Whether your hair is long or short, whether your hair is curly or straight, whether you done lost what you had. I'm like Charles Barkley, I'm a habilet. Charles Barkley called it a habilet. I said, what's that? I had it, but lost it. You lost all your, I don't care what you are. You need to know how beautiful you are. The person sitting in your seat is lovely. 
I don't care if you're male or female. The person sitting in your seat is God's greatest creation. You are the peak of God's handiwork. The Lord laid his hand on you. When God made you, he was on his best work. When God formed you, he was in his prime and making good stuff because God doesn't make any junk. You have been made by the hand of God. And if Psalm 8 is right, then I need to realize I have been fearfully and wonderfully made. You have been made by the image of God. You are in the Imago Dei, the very image of God. When I look at you, I see a little God in you because you're the spitting image of your heavenly Father. You've been made in the very image of Almighty God. Love you! Yeah, I, um, Psalm 8 says, O oh Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth, who have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mother babes and nursing infants, you have ordained strength because of your enemies that you may silence the enemy and the avenger. When I consider your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man? What is woman that you are mindful of us and the son of man that you visited him? For you have made him a little lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor. Look at somebody say, neighbor, I'm looking for your glory. You already got the honor. Ah, you've been crowned with glory and y'all don't even know when to shout. You've been crowned with glory and honor. He says, you have dominion over the works of your hand and have put all things under his. <sighs> Would you just step on right quick? Just say, I, I, it's under my feet. Shakespeare picks it up in Hamlet. And Shakespeare says, what a piece of work is a man. How noble in reason, how infinite in faculty, in form and moving, how express and admirable. In action, how like an angel, in apprehension, how like a god. The beauty of the world, the paragon of the animals, and yet to me, what is the quintessence of dust? Man delights not me, nor woman, neither thou by your smiling you seem to say so. Let me tell you something. If you don't love yourself on the inside, what you do with others on the outside will be fake. Ah, it, that might start us. So let me, let me just throw in another little nugget while I'm up here. Since I, since I got a couple of seconds here, listen, love must not only be internal, but love must be inclusive. Are there any Greeks in here today? I, I'm not talking about from Greeks. I'm talking about 
Greece, some of them are the Greeks, the blind sororities and fraternities. Any, anybody? Uh, I, oh, yeah, I see some of y'all waving your hand. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. There, there, there's a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see you back there. I see y'all. Listen, listen. It's different. When you belong to a group, there are all kinds of group identifiers. See, if you're, if you're a Sigma, you, you're going to put on the royal blue and white. You're going to If there was ever a time for the drummer to get some, it was right there. I just want to tell you. <laughs> Tony slapped the drummer. No, just kidding. <laughs> if you're alpha, you're going to wear the black and gold. If you... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got folk with PhDs on it. Yeah, you're right, right there. <laughs> you're preaching today, Reverend. Finally, you done got to something I can say amen to. Heck, never. <laughs> if you're an AKA, Lord help us. You go wear the pink and green. They in the house. Listen, the Deltas wear red and white. The Kappas wear red and white. The Qs wear that purple and gold. What I'm trying to say is everybody has some identifiers. If you're on a team, a baseball team, basketball team, you're going to wear their uniform. Everybody just about know your favorite football team, baseball team uniform. You know what it is because they're identifiers. And sometimes we even break down our identifiers according to looks. If, you, if you're black, all the black folk over here. You're white, all the white folks over there. You're, you're Asian, all the Asian go there. You're Chinese, all the China folk go to China. We just keep breaking up into groups by our identifiers and by our clothing. And sometimes our clothing is in the hair we have on our face or the hair we have on our head. Some sisters going all natural and everybody needs to be. You, we break up. But Jesus said, I want to give you my only criteria for, for entrance into my group. You want to join my group, I don't care if you're tall, short, skinny, fat, ugly, pretty, pretty ugly. I don't care if you're white, black, brown, yellow, blue, I don't care what people say about you. My only criteria for people to know is it's you. By this will they know that you are my disciples, that you have love for one another. Now that's going to mess some folk up because, see, there are too many Jonas in here. Y'all didn't get that one. That went over somebody's head. Sister Latisse, we got more people coming to your Bethel class real soon. There are too many Jonas in here because all the Jonas are click-oriented. If you don't belong to my set, you can't be saved. 
And matter of fact, even if God tells me to go preach to you, since I'm still mad at you, I ain't going to say nothing. Oh, this boy preaching today. This is showing up fire. You came on the right day, baby. <laughs> Let me give you the spirit of Jonah. The spirit of Jonah wants to decide who can be in the kingdom. When Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, is that, that text right? Is that the right one there? When he was told to go to Nineveh, Jonah said, God, in case you don't know it, them people don't like us. And we don't like them. And God said, go and preach. Because I'm going to spare the city and spare the people. Jonah said to himself, if I go preach, God will save them. And I decided I don't want them to be saved. There's some Jonas in here. Look at the person next to say, neighbor, anybody trying to keep folk out is walking in the spirit of Jonah. This going to mess somebody up. I, I, my time is up, but I got to get this in here. This going to mess somebody up. In Nineveh, we're all kinds of sinners. They were doing everything. No, I didn't say everything. I went to Yale. I know how to say everything. They went, they were everything. That take in the stuff I can't even mention. And the Lord said, yeah, them too. Come to church for a minute. See, somebody in here wants to decide who ought to get in church or not and keep the gate. But I want to tell you this. Since you don't own the gate, the only thing you have to do is to get out the way and let the Lord do what the Lord does and let God do the whosoever will. Let him or her come. And let me tell you something. In the whosoever, there may be some people that come that are still struggling and still out there. But if they come, God will deal with them. God will save them. And they may not ever change like you want them to change. But God is able. His grace is sufficient. Even in our weakness, he is made strong. Come on and praise the Lord. Come on and give God a praise. I'm out of time. I ain't out of word. So I'm going to throw the last one in while you're standing. Look at one by now. Say, neighbor, your love must be impressive. Look here. Look at somebody right now. Just touch, touch him if you can. Touch him. Don't be too mean. Say, neighbor, I want to leave the right impression on you. I love you 
because Jesus loves me. Come on and give God a praise.